0: We are going to be in First Thessalonians chapter four, verses nine through twelve. There's four verses tonight. Okay. Um, do you guys have Bibles? Anybody bring some? On your phones. Okay. If you have one on your phone, you can get it out, put it on your phone, but only do that. We have eyes in this room. We'll pay attention. Okay. Um, so, but but here's what here's what we need to do for a second. So I need you to pretend like like we're um, like archaeologists or something, okay, and so so like i 'm coming tonight with these four verses, just these four verses, like look I found this we we dug this up, and you guys have been in First Thessalonians for quite a while now, right, for several weeks, and so you you 've read or you've you 've heard first Thessalonians, all of chapter what one through four up to verse nine, so you have all this information. And so let's just pretend like for a second that I don't. All I have are these four verses. And I'm like, man, these are good things, but I don't know what what these really mean without understanding where they came from in the letter, right? So I need you guys to help me for a minute. Just tell me some things here for a second, okay? Um, Give me some details about this letter, about 1 Thessalonians. Who wrote it? Paul, right? What do we know about Paul? Yeah. He used to be Saul, right? If you guys are here this morning at church, we're actually going through the, the book of Philippians or the letter of Philippians, and Paul wrote that one too. Paul was a guy, and, and Pastor Dave talked about it this morning. Paul was talking about how he used to be a Pharisee. He used to persecute Christians, he used to chase them down, get them arrested, and have them killed, right? And then he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, and uh, his life was changed forever. And so now instead of persecuting uh, Christians for the gospel, he started preaching the gospel. Okay, And so he went and traveled all over the place, and he built these churches, started these churches, and then kept traveling and started more churches and things like that. And then as he would go through and start these churches, and he'd go to these different places, he would send them uh, letters of encouragement. So First Thessalonians is this letter, first letter that he sent to the, the Thessalonian church after... He'd already been there. He's probably in Corinth, I think, about this time. So Paul wrote the letter, okay. And I think I just, I just gave it away. I gotta, gotta, gotta remember. I'm pretending, like I don't know these things. Who did he write it to? Who did he write it to? the The church of Thessalonica. That's a hard word to say, right? Um, yeah. So to the to the the church at Thessalonica, the the believers, the Christians there, um, and actually. Paul is the main writer, but do you know who else kind of wrote it with him or or is in the greeting at least? He's got two other guys that are with him in chapter one. Does anybody remember? Timothy. And Close. Starts with an S. Say it up, Sy. Si. Say it. Sylvanus. Sylvanus. Sylvanus, however you want to say it. Okay? So Paul is, is, he's got traveling companions, right? He's, he's, um, he's writing these letters with guys that that went with him to help build this church, and, and he's, um, they want to know how the people are doing there too. So, um, but what is he writing about? What, if you could tell me, what are some of the main themes, like some of the things that you've heard in this letter so far? Like I have these four verses, but I need to help. I need to help understanding how they fit into the rest of the letter, okay, that you've heard so far. So what are some of the main themes that you've, you can think of that this letter is about. What's Paul writing to them about? You take a guess, it's cool. Yeah. What it's like now that he's left? Yeah, that's part of it, right? He's checking in on them. What else? Their faith. Their faith. What else? how about how they treat each other or how they treat others around them right let's see so oh, i can't i need something okay do you guys see where italy is up here on the map the one that looks like the boot okay right right under the h the left side of the h now go to the right now go to the right side of the h and go straight down and you see that little that little dip in the water right there it goes up. Thessalonica is right there on the left side of that. Okay? This is a real place. Like this is a real letter. Paul's a real person, right? This actually happened. He, he sent letters to these people. And so he's he's talking to them about their faith. He's encouraging them in those things. Um uh, he's he's talking to them. You guys, have you heard some of the things that he said about Jesus returning? Right? That's in the letter. You're going to hear more about that next week and then in the next section. But, um, uh, and so, so future hope, so hope that they have in Christ's return. and kind of helps them live now for Jesus. Okay, um, and so, But there's a noticeable difference between how Paul treats the Thessalonian believers and how the, the non-believers treat them, how the other people in Thessalonica treat the Christians there. Thessalonica is a Greco-Roman... Um, it's under Roman rule, okay. So there's a lot of of Greek uh, Gentiles, people that aren't Jews, but there are Jews there as well, and um, uh, and so Paul is writing to to mo- mostly Greek people and some of the Jewish believers as well, okay. And so if you remember, I, it, um, did did anybody talk about Acts chapter seventeen at all? One thing I love about the Bible is that the Bible helps us understand the Bible. And so when you think about um, Paul's trip through Thessalonica, we can actually read about that in Acts chapter 17. There's a little section there that talks about it. And and um, they were there for a little over a month, I think. But while they were there, the Jews that were there, now you got to remember, Jews and Christians were different people, okay? Jews had their, their rules and their regulations, and they didn't believe. They were still looking for the Messiah, but they didn't believe Jesus was the Messiah. Christians believed that Jesus Christ was the fulfillment of all of that, uh, that he came and he, he died on the cross and then rose from the grave, right? And so Jews and other wicked men, in Acts chapter 17, it says Jews and other wicked men in Thessalonica formed a mob. They started a riot in the city. And they claimed that Paul and the, the other Christians were stirring up dissension among the people. They, were saying, they said that they were acting contrary to what Caesar, Caesar was the, the ruler, okay? They were acting contrary to what Caesar, uh, all of his laws and rules. And so, um, uh, in, in essence, he, the, this, mob, this, this mob started a riot to, to claim that the Christians there were causing a ruckus. And, um, and that they weren't obeying the Roman law. And so you contrast that with what Paul says in, in the letter here. In chapter 2, if you go back a couple chapters, in verse 8, he says this about the Thessalonians. He says, we cared so much for you that we were pleased to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you had become so dear to us. So just a quick show of hands. How many of you guys would rather be hated by the other Thessalonians than loved by Paul? Anybody? Nobody wants to be hated by other people, right? How many of you would rather be loved by Paul and Sylvanus and Timothy and have that encouragement that way? So I want you to think for a minute now, how do you treat others, okay? You don't have to answer that yet, but, but could you say, could you say the same thing that Paul says to the Thessalonians? Could you say to someone, man, I love you so much that I shared with you not only the gospel of God, but my life as well? The reality is that we often treat each other more like the world treats us, but we don't want to do that, Right? If we want to be different than the world, as followers of Christ, we need to love differently than the world loves. And so how do we do that? Tonight we're going to look at this passage and we're going to see uh, three things. We're going to see that we need to remember Christ's love. You have to know what love looks like, right? You have to know what the gospel is, what Jesus has come and done, and how, how that displays God's love for us. And then we need to love each other in Christ's love. As, as believers in the family of God, we need to love each other with the love of Christ. And then we need to love others with Christ's love, even when they don't love us. And I think some of these things are pretty hard to do sometimes, right? So let's, let's look. We need to remember what Christ's love looks like, okay? So 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, I'm going to read verse 9. Paul says this. He says, about brotherly love, you don't need me to write to you, Because you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. So he says, You don't need me to write to you about this. You know this. You understand this, right? You yourselves are taught by God to one another. What do you think he means when he says, You yourselves are taught by God? What do you think he means? take a guess yeah what do you think what do you think paul means when he says you yourselves are taught by god paul came and he and he started this church right he taught them some things but he says about brotherly love i don't need to teach you this god has taught you what does he mean what do you think he means yeah what's that you're born with it it's a good guess God has shown us from the life he gave everyone. Through what? Or who? Jesus. Jesus. Here, hey, let me just give you a piece of advice real quick, okay? If you're ever asked to answer a question in church, the answer is almost always Jesus in some way, okay? Um, thanks for answering. Listen, I'm going to ask some questions. I should have said this ahead of time. I like to talk with you, not at you, okay? So I'm going to ask some questions, and I would love to hear your thoughts. It doesn't matter if it's crazy and and way off. I'm just thankful that you guys are going to talk to me, okay? Our goal is to learn together. So as I stand up here and I get to teach you tonight, I'm somebody that's also learning about who Jesus is, somebody that's also learning about what God's love for me looks like in Christ, okay? So you can actually help me grow tonight, too. And so I want you to do that. I don't want to leave here without getting to know Jesus better. So can we make that deal together? Will you talk to me a little bit? Is that cool? Awesome. Thank you. So, um, So when he says you yourselves are taught by God, he's actually referring to the Old Testament, which if you think back, okay, we're back in first century in the church in Thessalonica. Do they have this full Bible there? No, they don't. Right, So when Paul refers to the scriptures, when he's talking about something, he's talking about the Old Testament stuff. And so, so they have the Old Testament. So he's, he's saying, when you yourselves are taught by God. He is alluding to Jeremiah, which was a prophet, um, chapter 31, verses 33 and 34. Let me see where my bookmark went. Whoops. This is what it says. He's not quoting it, but he's saying it in a way that, that um, is kind of echoing this, this verse, okay? Jeremiah chapter 31, 33, and 34 says, Instead, this is, and this is God talking to the people of Israel. Instead, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, the Lord's declaration. I will put my teaching within them and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will one teach his neighbor or his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me, from the least to the greatest of them. This is the Lord's declaration. So he's talking about, uh, or he, he's alluding to Jeremiah. And then in, in uh, a little bit further, there's another prophet called Ezekiel, and he wrote something really similar. It says this in Ezekiel 36, 26 and 27. It says, I will give you, this is a God speaking again to the Israelites. I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. So how does Paul No, the Thessalonians have been taught by God. If you back up just a few verses from where, in fact, one verse, one verse behind where we're at tonight. We're starting in verse 9. In verse 8, you you heard this last week. Paul says this. Uh, In verse 8, he says, God gives you. Anybody know? What does he give you? His Holy Spirit. He gives you his Holy Spirit. Guess what? God kept his promise from Ezekiel and Jeremiah to give every believer a new heart. He gives them. He puts his spirit inside them and allows them to understand the teachings of Christ and to know Jesus and to learn what God's love looks like. So God gives them his his spirit, and he gives you his spirit if you put your faith in Christ. Right? And so Paul could say the same thing about you. I don't need to teach you about brotherly love because you have God's spirit in you. And yet, at the same time, we quickly forget things, don't we? Right? I'm sure none of your parents have ever told you uh, or have ever said words like this. How many times have I told you that? Right? Nobody's ever heard that from your folks, right? Maybe once or twice. Yeah. Have you ever said that to your folks? In a very respectful way? Maybe, maybe not. So we forget, right? We forget. And so, so, (coughs) excuse me, we need to be reminded. Um, Every believer, though, has has the Holy Spirit of God dwelling inside them. And the Spirit helps us love one another because the Spirit helps us know and remember Christ's love for us. If you're a believer, you came to know God's love for you. When you responded to faith in the gospel, help me out. Pretend like I don't know what it is. Tell me what the gospel is. What's the gospel? Sorry. It's the good news. About what? Like the Bears won today. That's pretty good news. Right? But but I wouldn't call that the gospel. Maybe a football gospel. The good news about Jesus. What happened? Yeah? Okay. That's okay. Yeah. He died on the cross, right? Why? Yeah. To save us from our sins. That's amazing. That really is good news, right? Did he stay dead, though? Why not? Why didn't he stay dead? Give it a shot. Death has no hold on him. Why? Why? Because he's God. This is amazing, right? This is the gospel that God came to us to be like us, to live the life that we should have lived that we can't because of our sin, right? And then not only did he live the life on our behalf in perfect obedience to God the Father, then he died on the cross to pay the penalty for sinners, right? We deserve death and Jesus took it for us. And then three days later, to prove that he was God and to satisfy, the, to prove that he satisfied God the Father, God the Son rose from the grave. So now, anybody that puts their hope in Jesus Christ, we get to live forever. That's amazing news. That really is good news, right? That's fantastic news. We get to have life in Christ. We don't have to die the death that he died. Yes, we'll have to die still. Everyone dies, right? That's part of the curse of sin. But when we die, our death here begins our life forever with Jesus. That's pretty awesome. And so that's the gospel. And so when you when you understand what Jesus has done for you and you put your hope and your faith in that and, and in him and, and the work that he's done for you, how can you not sense God's love for you? That somebody would do that for you. That is the definition of love, isn't it? John fifteen thirteen, Jesus says, Greater love has no one than, than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. Today's Veterans Day, right? I mean, we celebrate and we, we thank people who have given uh, their, their life and their service for our country. And we remember people who've, who've made the ultimate sacrifice. We call it the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom. Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom, laid down his life for us. Romans 5.8 says, but God proves his own love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Ephesians 2, both of these, uh, written by Paul, again, but God, who is rich in mercy, Ephesians two four and 5, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love for us, uh, that he had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace, Paul says. And so Paul mentions that the Thessalonians welcomed the message of the gospel with joy from the Holy Spirit in, back in chapter 1 of First Thessalonians. In this letter, he says, you welcome the message of the gospel with joy in the Spirit. And then he reminds them again in chapter 4, verse 8, that they've been given the Spirit of God. And so now he says about brotherly love, I don't need to teach you about this. You have the Spirit, you have God living in you. You're going to know what love is. Okay? And the gospel is the message of God's love for us in Jesus Christ. Jesus gave his life for sinners. God's, uh, Christ's love is a sacrificial love that serves others. And as believers, as followers of Christ, as Christians, we are to imitate Christ's love toward one another. John 13, John chapter 13, is, it's part of John's gospel. It's this, um, uh, this uh, account of Jesus in the upper room with the disciples right before he gets arrested and then goes to die on the cross, right? And, and, and in John chapter 13, you see Jesus get down on his hands and knees, and he starts to wash the feet of his, disciple, of his disciples after washing their feet. This is something that a slave does, by the way. And yet Jesus got down and he did this for them. After washing their feet, this is what he says to them. He says, I give you a new command. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. What does he say? Do we just love each other with any kind of love? What kind of love do we love each other with? Brotherly love that comes from where? Jesus, right? As I have loved you the same way Christ has loved us, we are to love one another in the family of God. When we remember that what Christ's love looks like, then we are to love each other with Christ's love. Brotherly love, it's different than just love, okay? The Greek word for this is the word Philadelphia. Anybody ever heard that word before? Yeah, Philly, Philadelphia. Anybody know the tagline for that town, Pennsylvania? The what? City of brotherly love. Guess what? That's what Philadelphia means, brotherly love. If you look at the Greek in in verse 9 here, you're going to see the word Philadelphia. Pretty cool, huh? And so Paul's talking about that this is the city of brotherly love. Not, not this Thessalonica is, or Thessalonica is not the city of brotherly love. But he's talking about brotherly love here. He's specifically talking about love for other believers. Love for brothers and sisters in the family of God. How many of you guys have siblings? How many of you have siblings here right now? Okay, well, I'm glad that you're admitting that. That's a, that's a good step. Um, do you love them? Be honest. Yes. Yes. Here's the thing my family, we love each other. We do. Um, but we don't always show that, right? We have a saying in our house. We say, same team. Same team. We have to tell each other that. We have to remind each other that. We're on the same team, guys. When, when we're fighting or arguing, same team. Why would we say something like that? Because we're a family, right? And we should love each other more easily and more readily than we love anyone else. God has put us together in a house. He's put us together in a family. And and we have a special kind of love for one another that, that we don't have for anyone else. Right? But it's not always easy to love your family, is it? Some of you as siblings understand this. And so even more so, though, we should love those who are in the family of God. It should be easier to love brothers and sisters in Christ than it is even to love blood brothers and sisters who don't know Jesus. As a follower of Christ, you've been adopted into the family of God. You are a child of God, which means every other child of God is now your brother or sister in Christ. And you have a connection. You have a special kind of love for one another that is unmatched anywhere else. And so it should be easier for you to love, and you should love one another more readily than you do anyone else, right? But it's not always easy to do that. Why do you think it's difficult for us to love one another? fantastic answer love is a commitment right it's not just how we feel sometimes we need to just determine that we're going to love someone regardless of how they behave right but why is it hard to love sometimes because of their behavior here you go here's a question for you do you think it's difficult for other christians to love you see some head shaking yes we all have some things that are hard to love don't we that's why god gives us grace right that's another thing we say a lot in our house same team but then we also say listen i need grace just as much as you do i need grace just as much as you do because i am difficult to love you can just ask my wife it's too bad she's not out here oh wait she's All right, so, so back in, in 1 Thessalonians, moving on to, to verse 10, Paul says this. He says, in fact, so he's talking about brotherly love. In fact, you are already, or you are doing this toward all the brothers and sisters in the entire region of Macedonia. Macedonia is like, so we, we talked about where Thessalonica is, so in that corner, like Macedonia is that section right there in between Italy and, and there. So like this whole region, okay, of people, and he's saying, you, you point to a brother or sister in Christ in this whole region, and you are loving them with brotherly love. You're doing it. And then he says this, but we encourage you, brothers and sisters, do this even more. Do this even more. Paul's encouraging the Thessalonian believers. He says he says you're doing what Christ taught you to do. God has taught you this. He, he's helped you understand what love looks like because of the gospel. The Spirit's in you drawing your hearts to other believers in Christ you're loving people they're constantly practicing this kind of love this, this so much so that this was like their habit this is what they were known for this is how they were characterized I think it's in in chapter one Paul's like we didn't even have to, to go and in, in try to ask people about you we just heard about you because of your love for other people right if you are if, if you're a Christian, are you known for loving other Christians? If You claim to follow Christ. Can other people say that about you? Man, they love people. They love other believers. Do you treat one another differently here than you do at home or at school? If you're a Christ follower, do you come and you, do, you, do you love other people here, but then you go home or you go to school and you treat them in a, in a lesser way? The Thessalonians were loving each other well, but Paul encourages them to, to here to love, to keep that love growing uh, for one another. He says, do this even more. Remember, you're, you're a family, right? You're brothers and sisters in Christ. Keep loving more and more, Paul says. It's something that he prayed for them, actually, in, in chapter 3, verse 12. He says, and may the Lord cause you to increase and overflow with love for one another and for everyone, just as we do for you. This is his prayer. Look, you guys are doing a great job loving each other. Keep going, he says. Do it more and more and more. And guess what? They have the Holy Spirit in them who can help them do that. What are some ways that you've experienced Christ's love through other Christians? Anybody think of something? Something? I'll give you one, kind of help you get the juices flowing. Um, I love in words of encouragement. People encourage me, even just to say, "Hey, you know what? Uh, we're praying for you. We're actually um, my family. We're, if you don't know us, we are going to be starting a church next year in Menunk, Illinois, in the Fieldcrest School District, and so we've been um, we've been sending out prayer requests every week." kind of sharing our story with people through emails, and I get so encouraged by people that say, uh, that reply back and say, listen, you've been prayed for today, or you've been prayed for this week, or here's how we prayed for you. That's huge. That tells me, uh, it, it's just a simple way for, for me to understand and know Christ's love through that. What's something else? What's something? One thing. Can you think of something? How you've experienced God's love through someone else. A compliment. A hug. Yes. What else? Anything else? When they're just being friendly. It's Kindness, right? It's actually a fruit of the Spirit. I want to encourage you guys this week to think about that. How have you experienced God's love through other Christians? Through someone else? It'll be good for you. So We can't just love each other with Christ's love. We also need to love others with Christ's love, even when they don't love us. Right? Remember that the Thessalonians they've undergone this severe persecution uh, <clears throat> from Acts chapter seventeen. We, we remember that they've they've been um, they've been accused of things. They've been yelled at. They've they've started riots over them, um, and so they they've they've been persecuted. They've been uh, uh, oppressed by these Jews and. Uh, these other wicked men that it says in uh, Acts chapter 17. Paul's already encouraged the Thessalonians to love each other more and more. And that now he looks, uh, look at what else he encourages them to do. Okay? So now we're moving on to verse 11. So he says, love each other more and more. Love each other more and more. And then he says this. Um, to encourage you to seek, verse 11, to seek to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. Verse 12. So that you may behave properly in the presence of outsiders and not be dependent on anyone. So, lead a quiet life and mind your own business. Do you think that Paul is telling them to hide their faith? Yes or no? How many think yes? How many think no? Okay, why not? Because faith is awesome. Is that what you said? Yes. Faith is awesome. Yeah. Because he loves Jesus. How, how is anybody else going to hear the gospel if we hide our faith? Right? There, when, when I was when I was little in Sunday school, we used to sing this song called This Little Light of Mine. Anybody ever heard of it? Yeah. Anybody want to sing it? Huh? Yes. Hide it under a bushel? No. no. Right? We don't hide our faith, guys. We don't hide our faith. If we hide our faith, we're hiding the gospel. We're hiding God's love for other people. If he's given you his love through Christ, he wants to love others through you in Christ, right? So we don't hide our faith. That's not what Paul's saying here. Lead a quiet life. Mind your own business. Remember Acts 17? We just talked about it again. Jews and wicked men, they started this riot and they accused the Thessalonian believers of stirring up people in disobedience to Caesar. So they're saying these Christians, these believers, they're making all kinds of racket and they're disobeying the rules. They're disobeying. Paul doesn't want them to be troublemakers. so He's saying lead a quiet life. Mind your own business. Don't do anything that's going to, to give them actual reasons to accuse you of being disobedient. Now, just as a general rule in Christ, if we are to choose between obeying God and obeying someone else. If we obey this other person and we know that in obedience to them that would be sin, then we don't do that, right? We obey God first. But if we can, if we can follow the laws, like we have rules, laws in America here, right? We have speed limits, things like that. We can, we can abide by those rules and, and not be sinning then we need to do that. We don't want to be troublemakers. We don't want to be people who can be accused of of being in rebellion to the authorities that are placed over us. Okay, So he wants them to behave properly in the presence of outsiders. That's in verse 12. That's that's the reason why. It says, live a quiet life, uh, uh, mind your own business, so that you behave properly in the presence of outsiders. Essentially, he he wants them to earn the respect of those people around them instead of accusations from them. So he's actually encouraging behavior that will open the door to share the gospel more, not less. And so as outsiders see the character and the conduct of the believers in spite of the persecution they endure, it gives them the opportunity to share the reason for the hope that they have, the reason for their behavior, which is what? The love of Jesus Christ, right? Right? So here's a question for you to think about. How do you behave around your unbelieving friends, people that don't know Jesus, and your unbelieving family, people that don't know Jesus? How do you behave around them at school, at home? Can they accuse you of stirring up trouble, of being disrespectful? Or would they talk about you with respect? Something to think about. So Paul also tells the Thessalonians to work with their hands here. The Thessalonians, uh, remember, this is a Greco-Roman culture. And so Greeks, they actually, they despise manual labor. How many of you guys hate chores? All right, what are some chores? What are some chores you have to do? Shout them out. What are some chores? Dishes. Oh, now everybody wants to talk. Taking out the dog. Okay, yeah. Cleaning your room, taking out the garbage, doing the dishes, taking out the dog. All right. Okay. So a lot of those things are things you got to do with your hands, right? You don't like to do those things. So the, the Greeks, the Greeks, they hated manual labor. They Again, they thought it was something only slaves should do. You see a theme here? You think back to John chapter 13, what does Jesus do? He does something only a slave would do, right? So Paul's saying, work with your hands. The Greeks don't want to do this, but you're not like them. You're like Jesus, right? Imitate Christ. When you do that, you're imitating his love by serving others, not by expecting them to serve you. Some of the Christians were were apparently living off of the charity of wealthier Christians, so they weren't working. They were just kind of getting uh, handouts from from Christians who had money. But Paul and his companions, they set the example for them when they came to them. In chapter 1, back in chapter 1, he says, he reminds them that he and his companions worked night and day so that they wouldn't be a burden to any of the Thessalonians, so that they could preach the gospel to them without asking for anything in return. They don't want anything to hinder the gospel, right? So they're going to work hard, and then they're going to uh, not depend on anyone. They're not going to ask for anything. In return, So being lazy, living off of other people's handouts was disgraceful in this culture in Thessalonica. And so if the Christians were doing that, they were going to hurt their gospel witness to the unbelievers. They would lose respect of the ones that they were trying to reach. And so Paul says, listen, work with your hands. Get busy. Do something. Right? So here's another question for you to think about. He kind of gave some of it away already by telling me you don't like your chores. How is your work ethic at home? When your folks ask you to do something, do you whine and complain about it? Sometimes. How's your work ethic, How's your work ethic at home? How's your work ethic at school? When your teachers give you assignments, do you work hard at it? Do you complain about it? Do you, do you tell your teacher, do you tell your teacher, oh, yeah, this is good, I like this, and then you turn around and you tell your friends in passing period that this is terrible, I hate this, right? Here's another question for you. Would others describe you as hardworking or lazy? Okay. Do you, listen, here's one more. Do you serve others more than you depend on them? People in your family constantly tell you, like, get off the couch, do something, help the family out. Or they, they always just like, wow, thanks for doing that. I didn't even ask you, right? So here's the thing: all through this letter, Paul is reminding his readers of the gospel and then instructing him how to live in it, right? How to live in response to it. He's doing the same thing right here in these four verses. So remember when I asked you before, like, I have these four verses and we need to put them in the context of the letter. This is the letter. This is the context of the letter. This is who you are in Christ. This is all that you've been given in Jesus. This is the love of God displayed through Christ. And you have that as a follower of Jesus. Now live like it. Live that way. As followers of Christ, we are called to be imitators of Christ. Can we do that perfectly? Yes or no? No, we can't, right? But do we have help? He gave us his spirit. He gave us his word so that we can understand more and more. He gave us other believers that we can practice this with more and more, right? He even put people in our lives that we need to share the gospel with more and more. And we need to share the gospel with ourselves more and more, to be reminded of it every day. As Christians, we're called to be representatives of Christ's love to the world. The world learns Christ's love by watching us love one another and by experiencing that love themselves as we serve them in humility and love and live lives that point to Jesus Christ. And so as we close, there's like five minutes left. Uh, you don't have paper, you don't have anything like that, but I want you guys to think about something for me, okay? And I want you to do this, uh, make this a, a practice when you get home too. This week, Three things We we talked about three things tonight. We talked about what what God's love looks like. The gospel. Jesus Christ, right? And then we talked about loving each other with that love. And then we talked about loving other people who don't believe in Jesus with the love of Jesus, right? And so what, what would be so helpful for you to do this week is to think about the gospel. Number one, think about the gospel. Tell yourself the gospel every day this week. Think about all the things that you've been given. How have you experienced God's love through Christ and what he's done for you? These are things that we need to re- I need to remind myself of these things every single day, multiple times. So do that. Think about and write down even some of the ways that you've experienced God's love through Christ and the gospel. And, and then just thank God for them, right? You can pray and, and, and respond to God that way. And then number two, okay? I want you to think of someone else that you know that loves Jesus. Who you would say, this person is a Christian. And I want you to write their name down. I want you to pray for them this week. And I want you to think about some ways that you can love them more and more, like Paul says. You may be already doing a good job of that. But guess what? Paul would encourage you the same way. Keep going. Keep going. Do it more and more. Right? So think of that person. Pray for them. Think about how you can love them more and more this week. Maybe it's by encouraging them. Maybe it's by giving them a hug, right? And then do it. Do it this week. And then the last thing, think of one person that you know that does not know Jesus, that doesn't love Jesus. Maybe it's because they've never heard the gospel. Maybe it's because they don't know that it's for them. Maybe they don't know that that their sins can be forgiven. Think of that person. Write their name down, okay? Okay? And then write down some ways that you plan to show them love this week. How can you serve them? How can you help them see what sacrificial love looks like? How can you help them see what, what a slave would do? Show them the love of Christ. Because guess what? If you're sitting in here tonight and you are a follower of Jesus, you've put your hope and your trust in Christ, you and I, we have the same mission. I just so happen to get to stand up here and teach it tonight. But we are all called to be representatives of Jesus Christ. We're all called to display God's love to the people around us, right? As a follower of Christ, you get to do that too. And we get to learn from each other that way. I think that's pretty awesome. Any questions before we close? I'm thankful for Paul's letter. You guys thankful for this? All right, let me pray. God, we love you, and we thank you for who you are. We thank you that Jesus Christ has come, that he will come again. And so as we wait for him, you've given us something to do. We are secure in who we are in Jesus. You have declared us not guilty once and for all. And so we can live in freedom and joy and hope and peace and love. So I pray, God, that you would encourage our hearts, that you would help us this week to think about the gospel, to think about your love for us in Christ, and that that would encourage us, that would would excite us and get us uh, 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 to think even more, to dwell even more on Christ. And I pray that, um, that out of that excitement, out of that joy, out of that hope that we have through the gospel, that you would put somebody on our hearts that we know is a fellow believer that we can encourage in some way this week with your love, and that you would remind us, put somebody on our hearts that we know needs to hear the good news of the gospel, that we don't hide it, but that in boldness and in love and in in, uh, humility, selflessness, we go, we open our mouths and share the good news of the gospel with them, and we show it to them by how we act. Lord, we thank you for this time, and we give you all the glory and honor and praise. In Jesus' name, amen.